Praise God. It's good to see you all. Amen? Amen? How are we all doing today? Let me get a few responses. How are we doing? We good? Good. Good, 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 good. Um, compromise systems, part two. Um, I've, 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 been, I've been so overwhelmed by the response um, to, to the series so far um, and to compromise systems, part one. Um, and I've been extremely, extremely blessed um, to, to, to see people from both within our community, actually, and even externally. Uh, really take heed to what God has been saying to us within this house. As you all know, uh, we're really going through the series as a precursor, so we, so you would say, or as a, or as a transition series uh, to one of the key things that God wants us to understand, which is our MVP. Uh, we're still within the Government of Grace series, and what that looks to do is that it looks to really explore the concept of grace but really just expanding on the Titus 2.11 grace, which is the empowerment and the enablement for you to be able to say no to ungodliness. And it's been something that we've been going through over the last few months. We've taken various pathways. Um, and today, we're going to be dealing with part two um, of the series, Compromise Systems. Now, I want you to really, really uh, uh, go back and listen to part one. Um, it's long, but it's worth it. <laughs> Amen. Um, and uh, uh, it's really, really important for us to understand, especially um, being a part of this house. Once again, I want to thank you all, and I want to honor every single one of you. Holy Spirit, take absolute control in Jesus' name. Now, it's going to be very important uh, for us as we journey um, into the future to ensure that nothing holds us back from our tomorrow. Absolutely nothing holds us back from our tomorrow. And one of the most depressing things, Pastor Jen, you see, I got it right today. One of the most depressing things is to not be properly prepared for a moment. I mean, it's the worst thing to be unprepared for a season you've actually prayed for. <laughs> praying for a relationship or praying for a marriage, but you have not yet properly worked on your insecurities as a person. So you demand for something that your soul isn't ready to receive. Are you following me? You're praying to God to bring someone into your life, maybe as a friend, but you haven't even realized that your soul has been compromised with selfishness. And that begins to be a very, very key thing for us to understand because if we are stuck in the position of selfishness, if we are stuck with everything going our way, then we have failed to recognize AD that one of the key ingredients for two people walking together is what? Agreement. That just when you are in the place that God is really looking to bless you, you begin to lose focus and begin to engage in activities and actions that then discredit and remove you away from your blessing. So your focus matters in the season. Everyone following me? Your focus matters in this season. And in this past week, I have had to truly look deep within myself to truly find areas. Some I've been very, very uncomfortable with. Very, very uncomfortable with. Um, things that I'm not so proud of. Where I've, I've really had to search within myself 
and find areas where my soul may be compromised. Why? Because although there is motion, I run the risk of sabotaging my entire destiny if I do not effectively address or confront issues within my life. And this is where partnership with the Holy Spirit begins. And this is where the sermon begins. This is where partnership with the Holy Spirit becomes critical because not everything inside of you is made visible to you. Good to see you, Zach. Some of you have issues in your life that you are completely unaware of. And the beauty about relationship with the Holy Spirit is that he will begin to identify things in seed form. Or things that have totally bypassed your awareness and have found shelter within your soul. Now I'm going to apologize in advance. I am. I'm going to apologize in advance because some of the things that were spoken to me um, this week... uh, Uh, will be really difficult to hear at some some points. Um, Some of the things that I will tap into may be some painful experiences, um, but I believe that it's necessary for freedom. Um, And I was, I I will admit, I was quite scared to go deep into the topic. Um, So maybe, um, if you will all join me in prayer this week, uh, maybe I will get rid of the fear of confronting some of these things and properly deal with it next week. Is that okay? I may, I'm going to dabble into it and, and maybe uh, the Holy Spirit will give us utterance to be able to actually speak more on some of the themes that we're going to speak about today. Amen? Now, I believe that what God desires to do in this room is directly linked to your response. As always, vulnerability and transparency remain critical. And for me personally, I strongly see the hand of God over this house in this season in a very, very peculiar way. I see the hand of God willing and ready to confront any issues that we may desire to get rid of. And last week, we had a beautiful response to the word where many of you came up to the altar again. This week, I've had phone calls with people who have really spoken and shed light on some of the things that they came up for. And again, I say, if you hear anything that resonates with your soul, come to the front, and as I'm preaching, just leave it on the altar. Just pray and just leave it on the altar. By coming forward, you're evoking Psalm 55, 22. I'm reading from the Amplified Version. That cast your burden upon the Lord. Release it, the Bible says. And he will sustain and uphold you. He will never allow the righteous to be shaken. He will never allow the righteous to slip, to fall or to fail. And I pray that as you step forward in faith today, God will surpass your desires and bring liberation from any issue you desire to let go of today in Jesus' name. Now, one person that really blesses me Uh, Whenever I study into their life is the life of David, Letitia. The life of David. Really, really blesses me. This is a young man who we begin to see in the the book of 1 Samuel 16, uh, where the prophet Samuel is instructed to go into his house and anoint a new king. Samuel almost makes the mistake of picking someone else over David until God intervenes, which makes me Think, 
How many more things did David miss out on because he may not have looked upon? Now, I want to use that to encourage someone today. You do not have to change who you are to be accepted by people. You don't have to be different to suit people's perspective of what you should look like. The crowd may prefer a certain version of you, but when you woke up in the morning, do not change who you are to accommodate their preferences. Are you following me? Don't lose yourself in the journey of finding yourself. I felt that one. Let me say that again. Do not lose yourself in the journey of finding yourself. So although they may have rejected you because they claimed that you did not look the part, though you gave it your all and they still turned around and said, it's not good enough. Though they truly didn't understand the pain they put you through when they chose something else over you, though the experiences that they put you through almost messed you up or even did mess you up mentally, emotionally, physically, I came to announce to you today that irrespective of what you have faced, you have been handpicked by God. You have been handpicked by God that the qualifications of men don't, they don't mean a damn thing. Yeah. <laughs> they don't. Yeah. They don't mean a thing. Destiny doesn't favor you because people favor you. Yeah. Destiny favors you because before you were formed in your mother's womb, God. God had a plan for you, a plan to prosper. Come on, somebody. A plan not to harm you, a plan to give you hope and a future. Rejection feels ugly, but it's a part of the process. It's a part of the process. They see you standing there sometimes and they desire your now, Joshua. And Joshua knows. They they see you standing there and they desire your now. Pastor Jen, they don't even take into consideration the process that it took for you to get to your now. David was a man God took through process. And understand that destiny isn't fulfilled by the clicking of a finger. It's not fulfilled by the blink of an eye. Destiny is fulfilled when you submit to the process of learning and evolving. So for this young man called David, it was bad enough that he he was overlooked. But this man was also overworked. Now imagine the feeling of working so much that it takes you out of position. Working so much that you are not at the right place at the right time. That when the blessing was looking to locate David, he was nowhere to be found. He wasn't even at home. The one that God had chosen because he was so busy. Let that be a word for someone. Because he was so busy, he wasn't at the right place. And almost missed. Let me stop there. I've been telling you about the power of environments. The power of location. The power of being placed in the right space. Let me say this. Do not allow busyness to rob you from divine moments. Don't miss your Kairos moment because you were too focused on something else. That just when you were needed, you were too busy. Mm. When the blessing came knocking on your door, you were nowhere to be found. You've got to be alert. You've got to be sensitive. But we are in a time where discernment is critical for your acceleration. And I prophesy today that no breakthrough will pass you by. 
that your miracle and your testimony will locate you in the name of Jesus. You want to know what's so beautiful? 1 Samuel 16, 11. 1 Samuel 16, 11. The Bible says, are you guys following me? Are you following me? The Bible says, so he asked Jesse. This is Samuel speaking. Jesse is David's dad. He said, are these all the sons you have? Jesse said, uh, they're still the youngest one. Well, don't worry about him. He's just tending sheep. Uh, he's good for that. Just leave him. That's not the one you're looking for. He's just tending sheep. Samuel said, nah, send for him. We will not sit down until he arrives. Follow me. What has been appointed for you will not miss you. It has been destined for you and nothing can take it away. And I prophesy that the judgment of disqualification has been overruled and overturned. That you are the one that though they initially rejected, they will come to the understanding of your necessity. So in the presence of his family, David is now anointed. Follow me. And for some of us, we can relate to this because the rejection wasn't far away. The rejection came from those who were called to actually protect and love on you. And I began to ask God, how can you still love people who reject you? For some of us, how can we even still live in a house with people that don't even see good in us? Those who fail to understand us. But this is the nature of Christ who lives inside of you to never hold these things against them. Sometimes it's your own family who are the cause of your rejection. That they have belittled, they have neglected, and sometimes even abused who you are. But understand that you are right in the sight of God. You are perfect in his eyes. And no other opinion matters but the opinion of the king. And your response as a child, your response as a believer is never to prove them wrong. Your response is to build momentum through your obedience. Never let the focus be on men. Let the focus be on God. Are you following me? And he will begin to uplift you beyond what their eyes can even see. When I started this journey, even for myself, not everybody understood immediately. Pastor Joy, hello. Not everybody took me serious. I remember when I started praying in the house, my mom was looking at me like, surely you can't be praying. This is the one where every day we're, we're calling him and he's still sleeping in the morning because in my house, we do 6 a.m. prayers. God bless these people because they're still doing it. Me, I'm out of the house. I'm out of the house. We do 6 a.m. prayers and sometimes we'll begin prayer and me and my brother, Father, and my... <laughs> My dad will start praying, walking around, and then, mm, hallelujah, and start waking us up. But even despite that, when I started this journey, my mom didn't even believe me. It was months. If not even up to a year, my mom didn't actually believe I was actually taking God seriously. And as I pushed in obedience, 
I began to see that everything began to fall in place. Everything began to fall back into position because my focus wasn't to please them. My focus was on building a relationship with Jesus. And as I focused on him, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Every other thing will fall in place. So this is for somebody who the very people that are supposed to push you or be your cheerleaders are sometimes holding you back. One of the things that helps is for you not to focus on them. Focus on him. Everyone following me? I'm speaking about David because he was a man of process, Paul. Appointed as king, but it took years of process before he was actually anointed as king. Years of process that took him through experiences to verify the call of leadership over his life, to verify his allegiance to the mission of God. Let me tell you something. Your faithfulness to what God has given you today will give you a glimpse of what's to come tomorrow. Samuel met David as a shepherd boy. And what many, including David, would have just seen as just looking after animals, God saw as an opportunity to prepare him to look after people. That the potential of your tomorrow is hidden in the stewardship of your today. Let me say that again. The potential of your tomorrow is hidden in the stewardship of your today. So the Bible says in 1 Samuel 17, 34 to 36, it says that even in the field when David will be looking after the sheep, bears and lions will come to come and harass and kill the sheep. And David will do something. Whenever they will grab hold of this sheep, this young boy, he was still a young boy, this young boy will run after this lion. Yeah? He'll be like, you what, mate? You want to take my shape? And he says that even when they had it in its mouth, it will still go, he will still go and grab the sheep from the mouth of the lion. And not just that, he would kill the lion. Even before he was a king, he was a protector. Follow me. Even before the throne, he was a warrior. His new position didn't define him. His identity wasn't shaped by a throne. He knew who he was before promotion came. How many of you are waiting for the applause to find your identity? Some of you find your identity in position. Are you hearing me? The destination or the result isn't who you are. The process is. Process brings about experiences that will expose, but will most importantly reveal identity. But remember, my favorite topic, seeds. A seed cannot bear fruit by itself. That its capacity to produce fruit is dependent on how subjected it is to the demands of the soil. In the same way, God placed the seed of vision on the inside of you. And this seed must be cultivated in a system called process. Microwave generation what? You've got to be a lover of process. (laughs) Because you cannot be effective in something that you have not placed a demand for. The world outside teaches us to want things in seconds. Everything we need... In terms of information, it's at our fingertips. We have access to technology beyond what any other generation has had access to. Social media has lowered our attention span. And you don't realize this, 
But when you're trying to concentrate for an hour, you can't help but look at your phone. Brother, nobody has called you. Nobody has texted you. Your need to be validated by others is jeopardizing your purpose. Stay focused. Can you be the one who is committed to process? But understand that there is a major difference, Yolanda, between process and delay. So whilst process is deeply intertwined and in relationship with destiny, delay is drifting away and divorcing itself from destiny. Are you following me? But there is one component that always affects and impacts your journey to destiny, and that is character. Whether in process, whether in delay, your character... Your character plays a critical role in shaping the distance or the longevity of your process. And a system of God that makes a person, a system of God that, uh, uh, that, that enables or creates capable men, the system that brings about the emergence of nation shakers, is a system that is embedded in process. So you cannot bypass process and be effective in your tomorrow. Because what you do today matters to the longevity of your success. So then the conversation about purpose and destiny then becomes a conversation about preparation. How prepared are you? How prepared are you to actually engage in the demands of your future? Because what makes a person isn't the result, but it's in the experiences that have verified the necessity to partake in the fruits of today. You can't talk about harvest when you ain't sold nothing. What are you doing today to prepare you for tomorrow? The topic of destiny isn't cute. The topic of destiny is war. I gain revelation of my tomorrow and I place a demand today. I fight today so I can rest tomorrow. Weeping. Main joy for a night. But joy comes in the morning. You want to know what happens when you skip process and only desire results? Read the prodigal son. He went from living in a very lux luxurious life. Mm, that one. Listen, I wasn't born in this country. Leave me alone. <laughs> he went from that to eating with filthy pigs. Not because he didn't deserve what was given to him but because he got what he deserved too soon. He got the reward without the knowledge of the pain, without the knowledge of the experience, without the knowledge of the struggle, without the knowledge of the tears or the levels of sacrifices that his father would have had to make to simply get to where he was. So you want to know how to destroy your destiny? Compare yourself. Comparison isn't just about wanting what another person has but it's deceit in its purest form. It deceives you to think that you are capable of handling another person's wins when you may not be capable of handling the experiences that brought them there. Yeah. Don't seek to win too soon. Invest in 
process. Because within process lies moments that have the ability and the capacity to unveil and accelerate you into destiny. And don't get me wrong, some of the things that we had to do to get us here wasn't cute. Some of the sacrifices that we had to make wasn't fun. Because the reason why many neglect the journey of process is because it can be quite traumatizing. There are marks on your back that nobody gets to see. You come in smiling, waving your hands around. And the only evidence to see when someone has been marked by process is their undignified worship. Is that their worship doesn't care about how they look. They see F wallet. And afterwards, she will still banter with you. But in that moment, she doesn't care about your opinion. She doesn't care about how you feel. <laughs> she only cares about how. Are you following me? This is why you shouldn't rush to desire the life of another person. Comparison kills. Process has its rewards, but can be so, 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 so painful. T.D. Jake said this, and I resonate with this so much. He says, you know I could give you something that could immediately kill you. And he said, if I gave you my life and everything that comes with it, it could kill you in a second. I resonate with this so much. Because I was once the person, and I'm still stuck in this place and in this thing called process, but I was once there and there came a time where I always neglected this. There came a time where I finally began to accept this call. I finally began to say, you know what, God, the more I try to run away, I don't realize, but the foolishness inside of me is actually running closer to destiny. And when I began to desire it, I only thought about this element and didn't actually see the seeds that was sown in order for you to be able to stand here. Don't just look at someone's wins and just desire it. Because even on this place, there is trauma. There are sacrifices that I can never speak about. There are pains that can only be registered by those who have been called, only be understood by those who have been called. There are things that you go through in order to be able to stand effectively. Those things people don't speak about because sacrifices aren't supposed to be spoken about. It would be absolute murder to give you this without giving you the process. You want to know one thing that I've learned in my short few years on the pulpit is that meekness is strength under control. That the quality of your leadership is defined by knowing when to be what. That's good. That's good. Jesus gave us the principle of the lion and the lamb. He teaches us the power of knowing when to move, when to stay still. Are you hearing me? Even though vios come, you still learn how to speak, learn how to stay quiet. Learn how to address things, learn not to address certain things. And Pastor Jen says it all the time within our leadership calls. 
there are things, whenever people talk about church abuse and they talk about church pains, nobody brings the conversations of what leaders go through. That conversation is always missing. You, you haven't seen a complete picture. Because if you were to live one week, you will begin to see that the very thing that sometimes we may compare ourselves about, and it's not just about ministry, about anything, that if you were to walk in the shoes of another, you'll begin to see that what God has given them strength to stand for could render you weak in a second. This is why comparison kills. Because it gives you a false perspective of your own strength. Are you following me? That's why I push for God the way I do. Because he's pushed for me. Through the pain, through the trauma. Through the moments of feeling worthless through the moments of not feeling loved completely neglected by others he displayed a love to me that I'm still not able to properly express if I tried I would fail there are there's, there are certain topics you can't talk about it your tears speak for it a love that addressed every painful experience within my soul Things that were so painful, I wasn't even able to say anything. All I, there was a picture I saw on, 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 on social media, and it was a, a piece of paper, and the, and the person wrote, Dear God, and there was droplets of tears, and the person said, Amen. That there was nothing else the person could say in that moment. Experiences that I don't even have language for. But I encountered a love that changed my entire perspective and directly confronted everything that had infiltrated my heart. And that love took it all out. The power of God's love is that even my mistakes could not separate me from his love. It wasn't just about what others had done to me. His love also revealed what I had done to others. It wasn't about the pain that others had caused me, but it addressed the pain that I had caused others. It wasn't just about forgiving them, but it was also about forgiving myself. It was about moving away from the things that I had participated in, things that sought to distort who I truly was. His love searched my most intimate moments through life and addressed all the past hurt and pain and gave meaning to why some of these things even happened. And you see people but you don't understand the experiences that they've gone through. And this is why the Bible begins to tell us to love your neighbor as you love yourself. Because you may see Nano, suave, peng, handsome the way he is. But you don't understand that his ability to stand took all the strength that he had. You'll begin to see Barbette. You'll begin to see Echo. And you see sometimes the masquerade of their joy. But you don't see what's really behind them. Are you following me? 
Though it's a painful experience, I encourage you to actually sit with God and say, God, expose everything, expose every darkness that may be the root behind some of my actions. It's a painful request. Not just tackling things on a surface level. How you deal with habits and breaking off of habits is by going to the root. What triggered it? And I was petrified when God began to speak to me about this because I know these are real life experiences. And in no way am I trying to bypass them. These These were the very things that I was very fearful about addressing. But this week, God began to address certain things to me. And I pray that by the addressing of this, we'll pave the way for true healing to take place in this moment. Now, the Lord began to explain to me that some of us have been left so traumatized by our intimate experiences that we gave in to erotic love and lost, and lost sight of agape love. That the impact of the situation was part of the reason for your promiscuous teenage years. That for some, those experiences wasn't just physical, but it abused you away from divine and friendship love. It totally robbed you from true love and gave you empty and unfulfilled love. For some of us, our first encounter with love was a distorted one. And right now, I pray agape love to be introduced to your soul. Every decision that was made for you, every decision that was made to you, I prophesy that the love of God be embedded in your soul. Trust me. I have seen violation in a place of intimacy too. And sometimes these bad experiences goes from sadness to tiredness, tiredness to trauma. You want to know if you've been traumatized. Your soul doesn't even have the motivation or the momentum to try again. How do you know if your system has been compromised with trauma? Isn't just when you cry all the time or you resent the experience, but it's also hidden in your decision not to try again. Trauma takes the fight away from you. It can take your will to fight back. So because of those bad experiences with those people who call themselves your friends, you have made a decision not to try friendships anymore. Some of us have had that bad friend who was a woman and now our whole life mantra is that we get along with male friends. And I lie. Some of us didn't want to try church anymore. We don't want to try submission anymore. That topic scares us. At work, church, wherever it is, we don't want to try anymore because trauma has robbed your ability to gain momentum. Understand that your try is hidden in your trust. And the importance of dealing and addressing trauma is that when it's undealt with or when it goes unaddressed, 
it can target not just you, but everybody else around you. And that's what many people call generational trauma. And one thing we have to understand is that what tormented your mom could also torment you if it's not properly dealt with or confronted. That the issue is that these things will hold you captive until you get liberated. Until you are liberated by a savior. This is why sin and the power that it has aims to put a person in bondage or hold them captive. There is a reason for the choice of these words. To hold them bondage or captive to their own actions. And God recognized this and placed the necessity of salvation to come in and permanently uproot and liberate you from the chains of bondage. And the important thing to note is that even at salvation, although the power of trauma has been nullified and has been taken away from you, by reason of mere association, it doesn't stop it from harassing you. This is why your choices are important. And I was looking for uh, uh, confirmation from some of the leaders and I, uh, uh, from some of the small group teachers, and I thank God that they were able to do this. This is why your soul is important, because like I told you, your soul houses your mind, your emotions, your will. It houses your decision making. So if you're not discerning or if you're not obedient to the government or the laws of the kingdom, although you have been liberated, you will still give in to harassment. And but the, the thing is that, is that you as a believer, you actually have the power to permanently put an end to any accusation, to any onslaught, to any attempts of murder of your destiny. But this can only come by submission to a greater authority, which is Jesus Christ. Generational trauma ends at the lifting up in the submission of a life to Christ. Otherwise, the same thing that tormented your great-grandfather now torments your grandfather. And it's passed on from your grandfather to your father. And by reason of association, it can and will begin to oppress you. And when it's undealt with, this is where people begin to do the same things that their four or their predecessors have done. But my Bible says that the same power that rose Jesus Christ up from the dead dwells on the inside of me. So what curse can stand against me? What witchcraft can infiltrate my soul? Never. (laughs) Not if I have anything to do with it. (laughs) It doesn't have the power until I give it power through my choices. Are you following me? It never has power until I give it power through my choices. And if I'm misinformed or ignorant, then the trauma becomes a generational pattern. So the Bible says it is a lack of knowledge is why my people perish. Because when my people choose ignorance, they will die. Note that you cannot be possessed as a believer. But you can most definitely be oppressed by it. It can harass the heck out of you. It's not cute. It doesn't have the strength to dwell inside of you. So what it does is that it has the ability to harass you from the external. 
and it harasses you, not in your spirit, but in your soul. So it harasses you in your decisions. It flirts with you in your decisions. It flirts with you in your emotions. It flirts with you in your mind. It's not just enough to be saved. There has to be a dimension of revelation that must come in, a flood of light. Because where there is light, there is vision, there is clarity. And the Bible says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. Subject your mind and your soul to that of the Father. Are you following me? This is, what, this is why the Bible emphasizes that you have the mind of Christ. You have the mind of Christ. Why? Because God understands that the weapons of our wealth or of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty through God in the pulling down of Christians. Pulling down of? It's a very important word. If you want further study on this, I'm telling you it's going to bless you. I can't go into this because we really need to pray. If you want further study, I need you to study into strongholds. This thing blew my mind. I'll give you snippets of this, but this thing blew my mind. If you want to study further, study strongholds. When we talk about strongholds, we're not talking about the Old Testament principle of caves. We're not talking about the Old Testament understanding of where people go to in order to hide and strategize for war. The person who wrote this is not a fighting man like David. So if David was to define strongholds, he would define strongholds as a physical place or a cave, pay attention, like a dulem, where are the men? Uh-huh, a dulem. Oh God, let's clap for Allah. <laughs> You people forgot. I'm going to flog you all on some Tuesday. <laughs> if David was to define strongholds, he would have defined strongholds as a physical place or a cave, like a dulum, that you go and seek refuge from opposing forces or enemies. Pay attention. However, Paul is talking about strongholds. And we know Paul ain't going to know war. The man was harassed, but he ain't gone to no war. We know that the Bible describes him, and some theologians will say that he was a scholar, because when he was saved, what he began to do was that he would go into temples and begin to debate with people. Follow me. Now, Paul wouldn't describe strongholds as a physical place, but he would describe strongholds as a place within the mind. So in 2 Corinthians 10, 3 to 6, the Bible says, For though we walk in the flesh, we are, not war we are not waging war according to the flesh. Pay attention. It's not like David anymore. Though we walk in the flesh, we're not waging war according to the flesh. For the whoop... Oh, God. <laughs> oh, God. This is where people say, I feel the ghost, but they ain't feel nothing. They made a mistake. Hallelujah. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. Follow me. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ being ready to punish every disobedience when your obedience is complete. Follow me. 
So unlike David, we aren't just waging war against the flesh any longer because the real enemy is that of the mind. And whatever has your mind has your life and the path to your destiny. Whatever has taken captive over the stronghold of your mind will control your destiny. So you take captive by divine authority placed, not because you are righteous, no, because of what Christ has done on the cross. By divine authority, I take captive every thought pattern through the power of Christ and I reclaim my temple. Are you following me? Understand though, that what was physical in the Old Testament has now become mental in the New Testament. What was land in the Old Testament is now the mind in the New Testament. So we began to look at the book of Joshua and we saw that Joshua was a person who then began to conquer land. He began to look after and began to look and wage war and cap capture loads of different land. But now God isn't wanting you to be like Joshua because the focus isn't just about capturing land anymore. He wants you to capture the mind of people. That what is destiny is no longer in your possessions, but it's in winning souls. Follow me. That it's in enabling. And this is why I say your yes is precious. Your yes is important. Because when you have won the war of your mind, Rhoda, you now begin to speak to your neighbor and say, let me introduce you <laughs> to the power that liberated me. Are you following me? Because it is not about land anymore. It is about the power and that controls destiny, which is the mind. Rise up. This afternoon, we are going to claim the stronghold of our minds. The stronghold of our minds. Now, I don't know about you, but I know that there have been so many things that have tried to distort my perception of who God has called me to be. tries to compromise your government. 